Amen. Well, it's good to hear what God has done. And as we've been reminded tonight that God is the God not only of the hills, but he's also the God of the valleys. And as you've heard John speaking about being through the trials, thank God that he's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I want to close the meeting tonight by talking about another man. A man in the Bible, you don't need to turn to it. He was a very religious man. Many here tonight know him by name, though I've never seen him before. He knew the first five books of the Bible off by heart. He was a man that was described in the Bible as the teacher in Israel. He was the man that all of Israel looked up to. If we lived in his community, we would say without a shadow of a doubt, he's probably one of the most outstanding men or women personalities in our whole community. That man that out, would outshine everyone else. His life would be as clean as we would say as a hound's tooth. He would never do anyone any harm. You would never hear this man telling lies. You would never hear of him taking money that wasn't his own. You would hear of him going to his place of worship not only once a week but every day. You would hear that he would fulfill all of the ceremonies and all of the laws that his religion demanded. And yet the saddest thing about this man is, whenever we read about him, he was still not right with God. Maybe you find that hard to understand tonight. Maybe you could be here and you really think, well, in order to get right with God or in order to get into heaven, I must become religious. Or I must stop doing bad things. I must stop drinking and I must stop smoking. I must start going to church and I must start reading my Bible. And all of that is very good. But my dear people, tonight you could still do all of that and still die and go to hell. This man that I want to talk about just for a moment is Nicodemus. Nicodemus in John's Gospel, chapter 3, the ruler of Israel, it says that he came to the Lord Jesus by night, just like tonight. Most probably it was a dark night. And this man came and he wanted to speak to the Lord. And he starts to talk to the Lord Jesus and he, he says, We know that thou art a, a man sent from God, for no man can do the things except God be with him. But the Lord Jesus turned to Nicodemus, and this is my text tonight. In John's Gospel, chapter 3, in verse 3, this is what he said. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Here was the Lord Jesus standing, looking into the eyes of Nicodemus. It was dark. No one else was there. This man that was so outwardly good. And as the Lord Jesus looks into the eyes of Nicodemus, this is what he says. Let me say it to you again. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you. You know what that teaches me? That there's a personality here. God is interested in the individual. And my dear friend, tonight as you sit in the meeting, no matter if you're old or if you're young, if you're rich or you're poor, no matter your background, no matter your past, I want to tell you that the God of heaven 
is interested in you. The one who was interested in Kyle and the one who was interested in John and the one who was interested in so many in this meeting, my, he's interested in you tonight. We were thinking of that around the table when Paul said, he loved me and gave himself for me. Here was a man, Nicodemus, standing before the Lord Jesus, and the Lord Jesus said, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, listen to it, except a man be born again. Because this text is not only personal, it's essential. There's that little word, except. That tells me, dear people, tonight, without this experience that we're going to see about in a moment, without having this experience of being born again, you'll not get into heaven, never mind see it. There's many things that you and I can live without. There's many things that we could, we could put away in our life as non-essentials. But whenever you come to the things of God, when you come to the reality of being born again, when you come to this place of repenting of your sin and putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, my dear people, it's essential. On down this chapter, in chapter 7, the Lord Jesus said again, he said, marvel not, don't be surprised when I tell you, ye must be born again. He didn't say you must be a Protestant. He didn't even say you must be a good Roman Catholic. He didn't say you must be confirmed. He didn't say you must be sprinkled. He didn't say you must say your prayers. He didn't say you must read your Bible. He didn't say you must be a good man or woman in your, your community. He didn't say you must work hard for your employer. And all of that is good. He just simply said you must be born again. And my dear people, I want to ask you a question tonight before you leave the meeting. Are you born again? Have you had this experience of being born from above? Because this text is not only personal and it's not only essential. Oh, my dear people, let me say this to you tonight. Being born again is wonderful. I'm glad that I'm saved. I'm glad tonight that John and Kyle and so many others in this meeting tonight can look back to a day in their life when they were born again. You know what happened the first time you were born. I don't think any of us remember it. But your mother will tell you the weight that you were and the size that you were, and you'll have your birthday and your family and friends will always say, I remember the day you were born. I remember the day whenever my little baby girl was born on the 16th of December, coming two years ago. I remember the day she was born, coming up to six o'clock in the morning. I'll never forget it. You know, whenever a man or woman's born again, you'll never forget it. You'll know it. You know, whenever you were born and you came out of your mother's womb, you know what happened? You just came from darkness into light. My, that womb that you were there for nine months, and that moment that you were brought into the world, that place of maternity, and you came, my, it was from darkness into light. 
And whenever a man or woman puts their trust in the Lord Jesus and discovers that there on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ paid in full for all of your sin and you repent of your sin, that simply means to turn from your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're born again. You know what happens? You come from darkness into light. Whenever you were born the first time, my, you, you were born into a family, weren't you? And your parents were waiting. Your mother was there. Your father maybe was there. And the day a man or woman puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and has this wonderful experience of being born again, you know what happens? You're born into a family, a new family. Whenever you can cry, Oh, our Father, which art in heaven. You see, if you're not saved tonight, dear friend, let me tell you what the Lord Jesus said that ye are of your father the devil. That's an awful thing to say. Whenever you and I were born into the world the first time, we were born with sin. We've been domineered by sin, controlled by sin. Sin always seems to have chains upon us. We never can break free. But the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, and he came to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And there the Lord Jesus, my dear friends, he paid the debt that you and I could never pay. And whenever we're born the first time, we're born, my, we're brought from death and from darkness into light. We're brought into the family. But another thing, a baby doesn't have a past. Whenever I was born on the 14th of November, 1988, I didn't have a past. Whenever a man or woman is born again, you know what happens? God removes the past. Hallelujah. All of the past sins and stains and all of the chains, he removes them. Hallelujah. What a wonderful experience to be born again. Oh, are you born again tonight? And here the Lord Jesus looks into the eyes of Nicodemus and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again. You see, dear people, you've got a soul. And we often say in the open air in Cookstown, there on a Saturday, we all had a beginning, but we're never going to have an end. Because the graveside is not the end. The eulogies of the minister or priest is not the end. Whenever they write the date of birth and the date of death, Whenever the undertaker puts a sword on top of the coffin and dust to dust and ashes to ashes, it's not the end. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after this, the judgment. And every single one of us were born into this world with a nature to sin. We never had to be told or taught how to sin. Every single one of us, my, the Bible says, for all have sinned. And every sin has to be judged. God can't brush sin under the carpet. God just can't cover it over. God just can't ignore it. I was trying to fix a side panel of my car on Saturday. Charlotte forget to put the handbrake on. And the car went out down the driveway and took the pillar. And put a big dent in the side of the car. And I went to the shop the other day and got a little bit of Izzy Pond and spray paint. And I was just spraying the side. And you know, there's a little bit of dirt there. And I just said, oh, I'll spray over it. No one will see it. My dear people, you can do that with dirt in the panel of a car. But you can't do that with sin. 
The Bible says, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth them and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And you could cover your sin in many, many ways. Nicodemus was trying to be covered, covered over by religion. You could try to do what Kyle did and many others did. Try to cover it with drink and try to forget about God and forget about eternity and forget about sin and heaven and hell. Try and put it out of your mind. But he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. And Moses, before he died, says, Be sure your sin will find you out. And my dear people, if you're not saved tonight, if you're not born again, if you haven't got a testimony, it's essential that you be born again because when you die, and you, you will die. And if you die without Christ, you'll go to where the place that the Lord Jesus said is H-E-L-L. It's an awful place. Hell. Not purgatory, not limbo, not soul sleep. And there's been people all around the world today more healthier than you and I. Uh, and they woke up this morning and they cleaned their teeth. Uh, and they ate their breakfast, maybe went to work or went to church. And sometime during the day they've died and went out over etern- into eternity. And they were never saved, never born again, never had their sin dealt with. And the most troubling thing for me as a gospel preacher is this, that if they die without Christ, they'll be in hell. And you could be there before the end of the night. And here the Lord Jesus, he doesn't debate with Nicodemus. He doesn't try to tell him stories. He just says, Nicodemus, let me tell you, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot. He cannot see the kingdom of God. That's it, friends. We're dealing with God tonight. We're not dealing with fiction. We're not dealing with the fantasies of men. We're dealing with God. Whenever John saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, to think that day, there's coming a day when you will meet God. And it was Amos that said, the little herdsman from Decoa, he said, prepare to meet thy God. There's only one way you can do it. And that is by being born again. Because the Lord Jesus went on to say, listen to it again, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Oh, my dear people, you may be a good man or woman. And you may be a good man or woman in your community or in your church or in your family. But let me tell you tonight, if you die without Christ, without being born again, You'll die in your sin, and you'll go to a lost sinner's hell. Now, I have no pleasure in telling you that tonight. But I want to tell you there's one that took your place. And on the cross of Calvary, the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, my, they stripped him, they beat him, they mocked him, they crowned his head with thorns. They pulled the very hairs from his blessed cheeks, the one who raised the dead, that cleansed the lepers, gives sight to the blind, fed the multitude, they nailed them to a cross. And after men had exhausted their venom upon him, after they had mocked him and lashed him and spat upon him, oh, oh, listen to this, oh, he bare our sins in his own body on the tree. And the Lord Jesus Christ there, suspended between heaven and earth, he was making a way back to God. And the Lord Jesus Christ paid in full 
what God's holy justice and judgment demands upon your sin. Paid in full. To have it all paid for by the precious blood of Christ. He didn't pay for it by direct debit, monthly installments. He shed his own precious blood in order to save your soul. And because God was so satisfied, God raised him again on the third day. And if you would love to have your sins forgiven, if you want to come into a relationship with God, if you want to be born again, if you want to know what it is to have your past dealt with and your sins dealt with and all of the shame dealt with, I can tell you what you need to do is you need to have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever that happens and you turn from your sin and you confess your sin and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've tried to cover it. I've tried to ignore it. I've tried to deny it. But I'm a sinner tonight. But I've discovered that the Lord Jesus died for me and I'm putting my trust in you, Lord. You know what will happen? You'll be born again. You'll be saved in the very seat where you sit. I was reading tonight just before I left the house. Are you weary and sad neath the burden of sin? Does it fill your sad soul with dismay? And to meet the just claims of a sin-hating God, do you know you have nothing to pay? No penitence, no money. All your tears and your sorrows can never atone. Nor by works can you put away sin. Oh, then turn to the one who can save you alone, to the Savior in confidence cling. He's the one who came down from the glory of above to save you from ruin and loss for he paid the full debt in his own precious blood when he put away sin at the cross. My dear people, if you're ever going to get into heaven, if you're ever going to have a testimony, stand and gaze at the cross for the way of the cross leads home. Oh, the way of the cross leads home. Oh, I'm so glad that I know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. I can remember the day that I was born again. Have you ever been born again? Ah, you say to me, Stephen, I'm not too bad. My dear people, you don't have to be too bad to go to hell. You don't have to be too bad to die in your sin. Nicodemus wasn't too bad. The problem with Nicodemus at this point, he wasn't born again. You say to me, Stephen, I'm not born again. I would love to be born again. What do I need to do? Is there some procedure? Do I have to raise my hand? Do I have to join a church? Do I have to sign my name in some role? No, no, no. All you need to do is put your trust in Christ, repent of your sin, and by faith lay hold of the Son of God, and He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. That's the message of the gospel. Verily, verily, I say unto you, some of you young people here tonight, Some of you older people. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again. Listen to it. He cannot. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Let us stand to our feet and we'll sing a hymn as we close tonight.